guy. Ever wonder what it's like to face a 350-pound lineman who wants to smash you into the ground? I know what that feels like. Scott Mitchell here, and I want to tell you about my podcast, Helmets Off, where I talk about the pressures of being an NFL quarterback and some of the other pressures pro athletes face when the helmet is off. It's a podcast, and you can get it free on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and at kslsports.com. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. This is Innovation and Leadership, where we interview Navy SEALs, venture capitalists, pro athletes, best-selling authors, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of high achievers as we can get to come on the show. Today's episode is going to be from our mini-series that we created with Corporate Alliance, asking top CEOs and executives and entrepreneurs who have had very large exits, specifically about their thoughts on leadership and people. Today on the show, we've got John Pastana. Uh, He... uh, very well known here for uh, being a co-founder of Omniture that was sold to Adobe. I and say, okay, is this something where I need to pivot the whole company? I always say you pivot and focus. So like at, when we started Superstats, which was the, the you know, JP Interactive, we started that Superstats program, which then became a company called mycomputer.com. And all these are just names for Omniture. It's just, we transitioned as we were pivoting and figuring out what our market was and, and who we were selling to. Also, I want to talk to you about one of our show's sponsors. I met these guys back on episode six. CEO Zach Smith was telling me all about starting a skateboard company and how much he hated doing the bookkeeping uh, for a skateboard shop and how he really uh, got led to start this business, Bookly, that's a hybrid combining bookkeeping software and human services. And I'll tell you why I let him become a sponsor. It's because I use their service now. I don't love paying 50 bucks an hour for bookkeepers to do stuff that I know software could do way, way cheaper, but uh, I don't love bookkeeping at all. So I want a real live human who knows what they're talking about to help me with the stuff I don't understand. Uh, Probably the straw that broke the camel's back for me, though, the thing that put me over the top was that they could do my taxes and payroll also. Um, So totally suggest checking them out. Go to their website, bookly.co, and check out their flat rates. I've been super happy with them. So now on to today's episode. We're on part two. If you didn't catch part one, please go back. It was great. We learned all about how he was able to be a co-founder and grow Omniture to over 1,200 staff and take it public and then sell it to Adobe for $1.8 billion. And um, John, thinking about people out there who have a decent company, but they really haven't got into the, the hundreds of millions in revenue or, or whatever, um, what do you feel like it is about sticking to a plan or, or planning and structure um, that all these you need to lead all these people to do? Um, what, what makes that difference at that level? Well, I think probably the biggest thing difference is do you have you know a, a billion dollar idea, right? Okay. Um, I do think that it, it's very common for people. I especially see this with like student entrepreneurs and people who are starting some small businesses. They, it, I always say it's just as hard to start a company that can only get to a million dollars in revenue as it is to start to a company that could potentially get to a hundred million dollars in revenue. You know, um, 
So I think you're really trying to vet your idea and understand, will somebody pay me for this? I mean, the the example I always think of is like, you'll have a student come to you and he's like, I'm going to deliver meals to the students studying in the library, you know? And I'm like, oh, I don't know how big of a business that can become. You know, so even if you're in your current business, you know, are you looking for listening to those customers? Can you figure out what they'll really pay for? What really can kind of take you to that next level in, in your business? And in every company pivots, um, when I think back at Omniture, we started off as a company called uh, JP Interactive, and we were just a web development company. And so people would hire us to just build their websites. Well, as we were doing that, we started to realize that, man, you know, we enjoyed the business, but we're like, our income is completely tied to how many hours I can work building a website for somebody. <laughs> and so then that's where I had a, a great friend named Steve Jenkins. I don't know if you remember Steve or ever knew him. He ran a company called Windows95.com. And he had this website, and I actually helped him design part of his website. And so he was making all kinds of money by selling ads from people who were visiting the website. And he used to always joke with me, always like, John, I'm making money while I'm sleeping, you know? And so Josh and I, we were just like, man, we want to make money while we're sleeping. And that's where we came uh, up with the idea to do Superstats, which was what became Omniture, which was just a little web tracking program. So we launched this program where if you put our code on your web page, we would get an ad banner on your web page and we would then give you stats about that website. Well, that started to grow like crazy. And, you know, soon we had basically a program that was kind of like that, where we were selling these ads. And even while we were sleeping, ads were being displayed and we were making money and kind of started down that path. We started off, uh, it, I mean, it gets more complicated on how we eventually transitioned into the enterprise analytics that we do, that we ended up doing. But, you know, it was kind of always looking for uh, how we should be focusing the company to, to, you know, be able to grow it, to make more money, to look at our market cap. I was very specific when I, when I was starting observe point, I did not want to start any company that I didn't think I could grow to a hundred million in revenue. That was kind of my number in my head. Mm -hmm. And, and so I, I did a whole bunch of market analysis, talked to tons of people just like, Hey, would you pay for this? Would you do this? And, um, and the, and the answer was yes. And then I did some back end calculations cause I knew how many people, you know, how many customers we had at, at Omniture and then how many people use, let's say Google analytics, all these other things. I'm like, okay, I'd have to sign up X number of customers to try and determine what the total addressable market was. And then I always like to say, okay, what if I, if I, do I think I could take 5% of that market? And is that at least a hundred million dollars? <laughs> And so that's that's how I kind of backed into, okay, this is a good enough business. Um, and and one thing that is hard, you know, as I mentioned in the in the previous episode, we we're we we're talking about being ADD a little bit, is most entrepreneurs, I describe them as puppies. You know, you throw out all these little shiny balls and they just go nuts and they get so excited about every little idea that they see. And, it, and they can get distracted. And actually, I've watched several companies just go under because they, they got extra, excited about the new shiny thing. And 
but it's okay to always be exploring your options because you need to obviously progress forward because we've also seen the opposite. We see these big companies who never invent anything new and they just go into obscurity, right? Um, but if you're looking at them with an objective eye and say, okay, is this something where I need to pivot the whole company? I always say you pivot and focus. So like at when we started Superstats, which was the the you know, JP Interactive, we started that Superstats program, which then became a company called mycomputer.com. And all these are just names for Omniture. It's just we transitioned as we were pivoting and figuring out what our market was and, and who we were selling to. We kept, we changed the name or we'd change our product a little bit and, and we'd keep selling. But focusing, once you decided this is where we're going, I was always like, okay, forget everything else we're doing. We're, we are focused 100% on this. And um, because that focus is also so important, but it, but it can be hard when there's so many pretty shiny balls floating around. Yeah. Is there anything you tell yourself? I mean, I feel like I fall prey to that and I, I have like a personality type aptitude to, to, you know, do the Pixar up movie of the dog who's like squirrel, right? Totally. Totally. Is there anything you tell yourself when you get tempted with that? You know, I think that's just one of the things that came with time for me, where I've just learned through the school of hard knocks that I cannot let myself do it. And I, it's funny because even some, I, I have um, some of my VPs, even now in my company, they'll say, oh, we should do X, Y, Z. And all I'm thinking, you know, is squirrel, you know, kind mm -hmm. of a thing. And, and I'm, I'm just like, no, what we're doing right now, our initial beachhead should no problem, you know, get us to 50, $100 million. We should not be thinking about anything, you know, but most, most people, it's funny, most people think in order to grow a business, they have to expand their product line, right? Um, and that's just immaturity because what's interesting, so when we were, uh, we were called mycomputer.com before we were called Omniture, even though it's technically all the same company, mycomputer.com sold to small businesses. And we had like nine different products we had from like, you could put a guest book on your website to um, putting the stats on your website to, you know, all these little different products that we offered to a webmaster. And we were not growing very much. You know, we were kind of the masters of nothing in some ways. But it was funny, once we, once we focused on just the analytics, and especially once we focused on just enterprise analytics, we were getting, we were selling less stuff is when we started making tremendous amounts of money. I mean, we really started just doubling every single year, and we did that for like five years in a row. I mean, we were even doubling when we were doing over $100 million a year, and um, and it's just... I feel like that was, I feel like that's really important comment. Can you say that one more time? Yeah, just... that that overall, I believe focus is normally how you make more money. So listen to your customers that are paying you and figure out what you can continually be doing better for them and you continue, you will make a ton more money. So one of our interesting metrics at Omniture is we actually had very high customer retention. We were about 97% logo retention, but we were actually 105% or no, sorry, I think it was maybe 110% uh, revenue retention, meaning that if I got a dollar from a customer one year and year two, I would actually get a dollar and 10 cents from them. And, mm. and so that's what made our growth so exponential and so fast, because not only were we keeping these customers, they were paying us more money every year. And that's just by listening to them. And, you know, we didn't. So instead of thinking to myself, oh, I should probably, you know, launch an e-commerce server to sell along with these analytics. Right. I just kept listening and saying, well, 
what more do you need in the analytics? Um, and, you know, obviously there's tons of people who have made lots of money selling everything, right? Jeff Bezos, what officially became the richest man in the world last week or whatever, right? Because he sells everything to everybody. Um, you could probably argue that in a lot of ways he has, he's very focused on a platform um, that empowers that. So maybe he is super focused. But he's also trying to launch things into space, which isn't focused. But but he's a billionaire, so he can do those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I guarantee you every single one but, of but, but maybe it's just like – yeah, but maybe it's like going to art school where it's like until you can graduate basic drawing, you, you don't get to go to oil painting class. Until you've reached your first billion, at least first billion. Well, and, <laughs> I, and I would say that behind all those billionaires who have lots of things going on, I guarantee you they all they have heads of each of those organizations completely focused on just that, you know. Um, so but I don't know. I, I So I struggle with this one like crazy, as I said. And I, I love to use somebody like a Richard Branson as my justification, <laughs> right? But then when I'm honest, it's like, well, you know, he did build Virgin Music before he went to the next one, right? And then it's not like he goes and runs Virgin Airlines and Virgin Trains and Virgin Mobile. Like like you said, he builds a business model that's robust enough that he can afford professional management to run it for him. He's not doing Well, and you things, also right? don't know, is he even just leveraging his name, right? So mm. who knows? So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of a delusion involved in being an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. Like p people looking at the stats and saying, I'm going to be the one <laughs> Right. <And> there's more <laughs> is the first one. But um, when you think about someone who is trying to say, um, how do I know that this is the billion dollar idea or not? Um, what kind of, what kind of guidance would you, would you give for um, somebody who says, okay, yeah, I'm willing to, I'm willing to rethink you know, is this really the one for me? How do you, what kind of advice would you have about what that test would look like of um, how, how to know, how to have confidence that you really are playing the kind of game that could get reached that level of duplication? Sure, I'll, I'll kind of give you two answers here. One, I actually recommend every single person to go do John Richard's Startup Ignition. I don't know if you're familiar with that program. We, we just had him on the show. I, I Dude, love that guy. So John Richards was the was – the, he used to work at BYU over kind of the Center for Entrepreneurship. And he'd always have tons of people coming, needing advice. He basically got tired of doing one-off sessions with everybody and kind of did a boot camp for entrepreneurs where you can go there. He's going to – he helps you know how to vet your idea, how to grow your idea. And, and honestly, I think any entrepreneur who's thinking, I'm, I'm going to start a business, absolutely should go do his little course. It's, it's like – what is it like two months or something like that? It's it's two or three months, something like that. And and I don't think it's that price. No, it's either. like two thousand dollars or something. I mean, you for sure get more than two thousand dollars of help and advice out of this. And because because that is very difficult. It's a difficult process to know if you're being honest with yourself. I found most people are not honest with themselves. They come up with some little idea that they really love and actually do not want real validation. They just want people to tell them their idea. <laughs> they want rationalization. Yeah, they want <laughs> rationalization. And um, they even get mad at you when you say, well, I don't know. I don't think people are going to buy, you know, corn dogs made out of rubber. You know, it's like <laughs> you're like. But it's funny, the ideas that you hear people tell you, and they've convinced themselves that this is a great idea. But the one, but John helps them run through like, okay, is this actually going to make money? Is somebody actually willing to pay for this? Because there are a lot of ideas that are really fun, 
but nobody's going to pay you for them, right? Or they could potentially, you know, it's just no barriers to entry or, or whatever the, you know, the problem is with the idea. Um, unfortunately, I, I, I fall into that boat sometimes too, where I'm like, I don't really want to know. I, I just want to do it, right? And um, it, it takes discipline to expose yourself that way and, and help people question your ideas. Um, but, you know, that's probably, I think... When I look at an idea, at least talking with a few people and having them, would you buy this? Will you buy this? If I make this, will you buy this? Because normally if you talk to your friend and you say, hey, this, what, I have this product. It does X, Y, and Z. Do you like it? They'll go, oh, that's a great idea. But if you actually said, great, I'm going to build it. It's $20. Will you be my first customer? All of a sudden, they're like, well, I mean, I don't really need it, right? Yeah. And so asking that person to be your customer is truly the key if it's a good idea. Now, and then you have to extrapolate, okay, how many of those people are there? How big is this market? And if I can sell, you know, 10,000 of these, am I making enough to pay myself? So two things that I feel like are so genius about what you said is there's a ton of folks who are like, no, I went around and asked people if they'd buy it. And they said, yes. And then when I built it, they didn't. Yep. Right. But I feel like, and, and maybe I'm putting your wor words in your mouth here and you tell me, but it sounds like you're saying like, would you buy it? And can we talk about pre-sales? That's, right. like, That's right. Like where it starts to get real That's real. Because right. um, that money on the line thing, like, can I commit you now? Can we do pre-sales? Something like that. All of a sudden, like all sorts of rationality kicks in and yeah right? well, I, it's what's funny is you know we we analyze every customer we lose at observe point you know because we're always trying to understand why did somebody cancel their contract and i always laugh when my product people kind of tell me well we interviewed them and this is what they said i'm like dude those people aren't honest with you <laughs> they don't mm -hmm. want to hurt your feelings they're not going to tell you the product's total crap every single time it's oh we lost budget we lost you know and what they really mean is you didn't bring enough value for me to fight for this product right and who you really need to talk to is the people who love your product so talk to the people who love your product and understand why they love it because they will be honest with you but when you lose customers man they're it's very rare that you get somebody who's so you know uh, confrontational in some ways that they're just going to tell you all the reasons you suck, right? Cause nobody wants to make somebody feel bad. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> it's funny how people think that the fundamentals are probably different when you're some big giant company or when you're, you know, when you've had a $1.8 billion exit that you're going to do business so differently. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm no different. I get on these phone calls. You know, I feel like podcast is like a great excuse to meet people I wish I knew. Right. Sure. <laughs> and uh, you're always kind of hoping for this, like they're finally going to tell you the Illuminati secret <laughs> that makes it easy or something. Right. We, we can, but that comes in podcast. Oh, oh, and we only have the two episodes. So <laughs> apologize people. Right. Um, uh, but to kind of, to kind of close off here, um, thinking about, the fundamentals that you feel like um, are are required to potentially become, you know, a company doing at least a hundred million in revenue. I mean, we, we got number one of you need to have an idea that objectively this is a reasonable goal. Um, what would what would you say are any of the other basic principles that need to be in somebody's recipe? Well, definitely is having the right people with you, you know, people who can grow that company. And, and, and in that is, you know, when you don't have the right people, making sure that you're replacing them with the right people very fast. 
The other thing that I think is really critical for most companies, because we see, you know, so many companies go out of business because of this is control your expenses. <laughs> Entrepreneurs get so excited about their idea that they're going to instantly become a billion dollar company, right? They just, they think somehow everybody in the world is going to hear about them magically, right? And so they get the 80,000 square feet of office space because they're going to have to hire so many people so fast, and right? And a year later, there's six people sitting in that 80,000 square feet of office space. Um, it, especially you see this in companies that get financing, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so controlling your expenses, I like to have uh, – Instead, I'd rather grow revenue and then hire. You, you can all, I've, I'm just a big believer that you can always hire after the fact. You know, If you think you're going to do this big deal with a partner, I don't hire everybody before I do the big deal with the partner. I hire everybody after that partner signed up, <laughs> you know? just especially in the enterprise space that I'm in. I mean, things just move slow, always slower than what you think, just because inter big enterprise companies don't, don't know how to move fast. And as a small and nimble company, I can always move faster than them. But I think those are, you know, a, a few big things. I mean, we talked about, you know, obviously listening to your customers and, and, and those are definitely a big key to their success. And, and then keeping, keeping your, your team motivated with the culture that we talked about uh, a little bit earlier in the comp in our, I guess the previous podcast and, and making sure that you're keeping everybody informed, you know, so that they all feel like they're part of the team and moving forward. I love it. Well, we really appreciate you spending so much time with us here today. Oh, it's no problem. It's my pleasure. So, um, you know, I think everybody listening who needs to get more customers needs to know if their online marketing works should definitely be going to uh, observepoint.com and connect with you guys there. Um, and, uh, you know, it's fun, you know, even though I wish for the Illum Illuminati secret, right, of how to do all this. It, it's really fun to hear that, th that the fundamentals scale. Actually, Jess, I will give one thing that I really do think is a little bit the Illuminati okay, secret, okay. and it is that patience mm. because everybody wants success instantaneously. But I, I describe it, your entrepreneurial journal, journey is like a funnel, and you start on the outside of that funnel. And every single year, you look towards the center of the funnel, and you see all these successful people, and you're like, man, how do I get there? And as you just keep moving forward year after year, literally 10 years down the road, you're in the middle of the funnel and you're looking back on the outside and going, how did I even get here? You know, you now are the person because you just kept, you had the grit. You just kept moving forward because so many people just do it for three months, six months, a year. They try and do their business, right? I made a whole $8,000 my first year of business. Mm. You know, it took me 13 years to go through that funnel the first time. This time, I'm already eight over eight years into my new business. Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's, I really think that's the secret. Just keep moving forward and you will get there. The right idea, the right people, and the patience to keep going forward, huh? Yep. Love it. Again, this is great. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about if you remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or $400 million. Anyways, he, uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard uh, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, 
what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.